You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer here with Bart Kaler, where each week we interview higher ed marketers that we admire for the benefit and hopefully the betterment of the entire higher ed marketing community. This week, we talked to Chris Cleveland of the Wesleyan School in the greater Atlanta, Georgia area. What's unique about this conversation is for the first time, we speak to a administrator of a high school that is seeing what it looks like from his perspective of colleges and universities marketing to prospective students in his school. And he gives us some great insight of how the successful colleges and universities do it. Yeah, Chris has a great perspective, and I really respect the fact that he joined us on the Higher Ed Marketer and can give us you know, that insight of what what a high school administrator, you know, a, a private school administrator sees, especially when they have the different schools come in and, and, and do ca- campus, do visits with the students and things like that. So just kind of pay attention to that. He does talk a lot about things that the admissions counselors can do, but I want you to kind of pay attention that even if you're not, you know, directly influencing enrollment, there are things that are brand associated. And I kind of talk a little bit more about that at the very end of the conversation. So let's go ahead and get, get started with this. It's a great conversation. Here's our conversation with Chris Cleveland. It's our pleasure to welcome Chris Cleveland to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. Chris, thank you for spending some time with us this afternoon. It's my pleasure, Troy, and thanks to you and Bart for welcoming me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you. Chris, the reason why we wanted to talk to you is to get the perspective of a secondary leader or a leader at a secondary institution on the successful ways that you see higher ed marketing being done, being executed to the students at your school. So if you can tell us a little bit about the Wesleyan School and a little bit about your role there. Absolutely. Well, Wesleyan School is a Christian, independent, non-denominational kindergarten through 12th grade school of just under 1,200 students. We are located on one campus in Peachtree Corners, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta on the northeast side of town. We have a high school of just under 500 students. And in a typical year, we graduate about 125 seniors. We are absolutely a college preparatory institution. So it's our goal that all of our graduates would be admitted to and enroll and matriculate to a four-year college or university. And uh, we send our children primarily to schools and a footprint in the Southeast. Uh, Everything from Virginia all the way down around through the Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, and as far west as Texas. And then we do have some outliers. We do send some students outside of the Southeast. Wesleyan's first graduating class was in 1998. So we are still a relatively young institution when you consider the high school footprint. And my role at Wesleyan as head of school is that I oversee the administration of the school K-12. I have three division principals who report to me, and they oversee each of their 
three divisions, lower, middle, and high school. My background is that I, I did spend uh, 12 years as a principal prior to coming into higher level administration. So I have been a high school principal at two different schools, including Wesleyan School. So very familiar with the college process and uh, navigating our students through the college admission uh, programs that, that they go through. That's great. Thank you, Chris, for being on the show. And I just want to point out that one of our other guests introduced us to you, Phil Cook. So I'm grateful for Phil for, for that introduction and, and having you on the on the show. I know he was so excited. He's like, oh, you ought to have somebody on there to give you the perspective from, from a high school. And so I thought that was a great idea. So this is our opportunity to kind of pick that apart and talk a little bit about that. So one of the things that I wanted to just kind of, uh, kind of start our conversation in is just the idea that I think so many times as higher ed marketers and especially colleges and universities, they've really got to be well-informed and they've got to be well-prepared to talk about, you know, at, at the end of the day, a lot of, a lot of decisions come down to cost. And I think that we are so often, you know, I think we like to think about, well, let's make sure we talk about our brand, our distinctive, those are all important. But many times, unfortunately, decisions get made based on cost. And especially for small private schools, it's difficult because the sticker price that somebody sees on the website isn't necessarily what they're going to pay when it comes down to the financial aid package. And so I just wanted to kind of get an idea from you of how, how do you see that playing out with the idea of, you know, how do we make sure that we talk about scholarships, aid, what's available to parents, especially to parents? I guess that's part of it, too, is that we're talking to the students, but I think a lot of schools need to understand that, you know, mom is the number one influencer any way you cut it. And I'm sure you see that a lot more than maybe some of the higher ed marketers that we work with do. But let's just talk a little bit about that. So, so what do you think about that, Chris? No, it's a great point, Bart. And, you know, I, I read recently that over the last two decades, college tuition and fees have increased somewhere around 180%. Uh, and so I think that for a lot of our parents, their, their, really, their mindset on college tuition uh, is really kind of what it was when they went to college. Right. And uh, so sticker shock is, is a real thing. And I think in terms of your audience, um, you know, college admissions professionals, uh, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's got to be a two-pronged approach. It is making an appeal to students about the experience and the programs and uh, all of the amenities that they might experience on a college campus. But for mom and dad, there has got to be a conversation about cost and what's available in terms of scholarships and opportunities. And, and that's just got to be a part of the presentation to parents uh, in this day and age. I, we feel that tension here at Wesleyan. Uh, obviously, we're a tuition-paying school, so parents are already shelling out a significant amount of money to send their children to this school. And then on top of that, they're looking at the potential burden of uh, a college tuition as well. And that could be, in most cases, for multiple children as they navigate through this process. So I think that colleges and universities do themselves a tremendous favor to, to take on the role of educator and educate parents on what scholarship opportunities are available at their institution and to just understand that the advertised price is really not the real price. That there's a difference there between what you read on a website and then when you dig into it, what the actual cost might be. 
I, I know that when we had spoken earlier, we talked about in, in the state of Georgia, it is, it's an even more unique situation uh, because we have something called the HOPE Scholarship and the Zell Miller Scholarship. And uh, those are a product of the lottery in Georgia. And uh, the way that the funding is used for the lottery uh, is to uh, reduce the cost of tuition for students who live in Georgia and who attend schools in state. Uh, and it's very, very attractive. Uh, if you get the HOPE scholarship, uh, it's essentially um, pays for 90% of tuition um, uh, on the state university hourly rate for uh, credits. And if you get the Zell Miller, it's 100% of tuition. So as our students are looking at schools in the state of Georgia and then looking outside the state of Georgia, uh, there can be a substantial difference in tuition cost for a family based on that Hope and Zell Miller scholarship. And so, again, to your point, uh, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here a little bit, but for, for colleges outside of the state of Georgia who are recruiting students in Georgia, uh, taking the time to educate families on scholarship opportunities that are available is well worth the effort uh, because uh, it is something that is on the forefront of virtually every parent at ev of every high school senior in the state of Georgia. Yeah, and more and more states are taking that measure. I mean, you know, the idea of, you know, making sure that there's not a brain drain in the, in the state. And so I know Tennessee has a similar program where they will, you know, cover a lot of, uh, you know, tuition uh, for in-state students who are staying in-state. And so that's, and, and I know there's several other college, uh, several other states that are doing that as well. And so especially privates, I need to kind of be well aware of that because sometimes, and, and, you know, we had a conversation with another guest recently about the idea that privates, sometimes think they're competing against one another when in reality they're competing against the state schools, especially state schools that can have these types of, of uh, scholarships. So just, you know, keeping that in mind, I think is really good too. And I'm guessing too, that the idea that not only do we need to make sure that the, as higher ed marketers, we can, we can convey that information, but we also have to put it in ways that people can understand. And, and just the, I mean, I'm sure that you see it even, even educated parents, parents who have a uh, college education, you start throwing around FAFSA and uh, all these other terms and cost per credit hour. That that doesn't really, you know, ring true a lot of times. It does, it's like, you know, it's one, it's been a long time. And two, I just need to know how much I need to budget. So, I mean, do you hear that a lot in your school? Yeah, absolutely. Bart, it's, it's an excellent point. And I think colleges and universities are guilty of what all of us are guilty of within our chosen field, which is we talk about these topics so much that there, we take for granted that there's a, an assumed level of knowledge with the people we're speaking with. And while I don't wanna encourage admissions officers to uh, patronize or talk down to their audience, you shouldn't assume that they really know uh, anything. And again, that it, you, you can be really bright and accomplished and well-educated and not understand the complexities of college finance and not be familiar with the terminology. And so uh, I think finding a way to, uh, to really uh, scale it down and, um, and be able to not only talk about it, but when, when you leave a school or when a, a school, a family leaves a tour of your school, to be able to hand them, uh, you know, a one-page 
piece of paper that really kind of gives an overview of uh, how financing education can work at that individual uh, college or university is super helpful. Uh, It's a complicated landscape. I can attest to that as someone who is a professional educator. I've had one son go through the college admissions process. My second son is a senior this year. It's daunting even for me and my wife who are familiar with higher ed and familiar with the education landscape. Uh, it's, it's still a daunting process to consider how to finance a child's education. Uh, so uh, again, I, I would encourage admissions professionals to not assume a foundational or base of knowledge, but to assume that you're talking to someone who, who may not have any idea uh, as you said, what FAFSA is, and uh, just not to just glide over that like people completely get that. Uh, that's not the case. And uh, it, it takes a lot of time, but I think in the long run, it, it's worth it to, to have that educational piece on the finance side. Over the past decade, since the financial collapse, there's a thought in higher ed that sometimes people are trying to weigh if tuition at a school is worth sending their children to that school. And we've talked to other guests about marketing outcomes. We'd like to know from what you see, good examples or your opinion on how schools need to market outcomes in order to effectively communicate with the parents. Yeah, that that's certainly a part of this continued conversation of just the the ever-growing cost of college education. And and I think, again, you've nailed it in your question. Uh, There's a lot of discussion at the secondary school level. You know, is is that college degree really worth it? And and really what the question really is uh, embedded in that is at that price point, is there really a return on investment that's something that my child is going to realize and appreciate uh, over time? And so I, I do think it's a little bit of a slippery slope. You know, we don't want to I, I don't think it's good to talk about college education solely in terms of cost. And am I going to get a job that I can pay off my college loans quickly? I, I don't think that's the sole purpose of college, but I think for the purposes of your question, yes, I I see uh, there are some colleges and universities who are doing an outstanding job, very clearly articulating the cost of their school relative to a whole series of statistics for their graduates. One school in particular that obviously I'm familiar with because I'm in Atlanta is Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has done an outstanding job of Uh, really tracking their graduates. And when you go there to take a tour, they can tell you what percentage of their graduates land a job within six months of graduation and what their average starting salary is. And again, Georgia Tech's a little bit of a unique animal as an institution. It's in high demand. If you graduate from Georgia Tech, um, you are in high demand. Not every college or university you know, going to, you know, different types of uh, apprentice type programs and, and other things that, you know, that might not fulfill what our society needs in the end. So, I mean, are you seeing some of that too? Yeah, ab- absolutely, Bart. I, I think this is kind of the slippery slope that I alluded to um, in my answer to Troy. While I do think that there is value 
and looking at the hard numbers and looking at the, the return on investment, if I pay this tuition, what am I looking at? Almost 50,000 applications. And so that funnel has widened considerably for Georgia Tech. I, I think it's a bit of a perfect storm. It's the Hope Scholarship and the Zell Miller Scholarship in the state of Georgia. It's a, a national brand and reputation. But then it's also a, a very tangible, objective, uh, hard number that they can provide in terms of uh, job acquisition and starting salary for their graduates. And so they are one school that I think has done an excellent example of that. And I think you're going to I think other schools are going to almost be forced to start to provide some of those numbers almost as a justification for their increase in tuition. Um, and so I would imagine that other schools are going to follow suit and begin to talk more about that end product as tech has done. I think they're somewhat of an industry leader in that regard. To me, this is the downside of the escalating cost of college. But I do think the schools that make sure that we're having good conversations with our families, not just about uh, things like starting salary and uh, job security, but all the intangible things that take place in the college experience. Uh, I, I look back on my own college experience and I'm thankful for what I learned and I'm thankful for where I am now professionally. But the most important thing for me in college is that I grew up. Uh, I, I learned how to go from being a boy to being a man and how to be responsible and how to take care of myself and to be independent and to take initiative and to be my own advocate. And, and those intangibles, I'm afraid, are getting lost in the conversation because we're so focused on cost and outcome. And uh, we can't exclusively define outcome as just starting salary. I think that's important. Right. And, and I think it should be a part of the conversation. We can't ignore that. If, if we're going to charge what we're going to charge for college tuition, then I think we have to be realistic and provide people with some outcomes. But, but I think there's a balance. Uh, and I think that the the colleges and universities that can find the balance of selling the overall experience while also selling the, the hard number outcome, I think those are the schools that are going to really find some traction in uh, what is undoubtedly a challenging admissions environment for colleges and universities. Yeah, I think you're right. And I was having a conversation with another client yesterday about just trying to help them identify the affinity versus transactional relationships that we have with anything that we deal with. I mean, it could be a college, it could be, it could be, you know, our smartphone. I mean, I, I, I carry, you know, I use an iPhone. I have an affinity for Apple. There's a lot of reasons behind that, but I know I could probably go out and find a lot cheaper burner smartphone that would be, you know, if I'm really looking at a cost perspective, but looking at an experience as part of my, the whole thing. And so I, I think the colleges need to kind of keep that in mind of, of what are we actually portraying when we're doing our marketing? How are we doing that? And, and speaking of that, I'm just curious because, I mean, you are in a, you know, you're in a, a secondary school, you've got a high school there, you've got college reps coming in, you know, making presentations and, 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 and meeting with students. Where do you see, you know, what colleges are, not necessarily what colleges, but what most 
what are they doing that's effective that you say, oh, that that's that kids are taking notice of that, or mom and dad are taking notice of that, or or guidance counselors are noticing that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, Bart, I, I think you actually um, said what I was going to say in your last comment. So sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. But it it's really about being relational and not transactional. And uh, I think that the colleges that I see that are getting the greatest traction uh, in the marketplace are the ones that are able to establish some sort of personal capital with students and families. And um, let's face it, we live in an increasingly impersonal world. Uh, Communication is more heavily rooted in efficiency than it is being personalized. You know, the, the impact that a simple handwritten note from a, an admissions officer makes, hey, thanks for visiting campus last week. I really enjoyed touring you, and I hope you'll consider to keep our school on your short list. You know, kids today, don't, they don't get mail. Uh, they certainly don't get handwritten notes in the mail. And so uh, if the goal is for a college or a university to stand out from the crowd, maybe think of it in, in these terms, there's a lot of noise in the college marketplace right now. How do you cut through that noise and effectively deliver your message? There's no singular way to do that. I think it takes a a whole series of um, communications strategies. But I think the more that schools can personalize their approach, the more that they can say a student's name in a phone message or in a handwritten note, um, that is going to make you stand out from what has become, uh, I think, a little bit of an impersonal process particularly at your larger state schools that are just generating, you know, double digit thousands of applications. Uh, It's virtually impossible. And in my state, it's almost impossible for a University of Georgia or a Georgia Tech uh, to personalize those admissions contact points. But a smaller school uh, like a Lee University, uh, where our friend Phil Cook was, um, you know, that's a school that can make it personal. I think if colleges can find a way, if, if a college um, admissions officer could find a way to communicate to a student, our college cares more about who you are than what you've accomplished on your resume. And again, this, this kind of pulls in a lot of the things we've discussed today. It's personalized. It's talking about the broader experience and not just a money in, money out transactional relationship. It's communicating, our college cares about you. And we want to, certainly we want you to, we want to see you reach your goals. We want you to achieve and accomplish. But you need to know that if you come to our school, we're going to make an investment in your character and your development as a human being. And regardless of what your chosen field of study is, regardless of what your professional life, where that leads you, those character development things will serve you well in all areas of your life. And so uh, if I was recruiting a student from Wesleyan School, I I would really want to lean heavily into that um, and say to that student, 
hey, if you come to my campus, uh, this is a place that's going to invest in developing all of you, not just your intellect, not just your professional development um, for a career. Of course, we're going to do those things. We're a college. That's what colleges do. But what we're going to do is we want to invest in your character. We want to help you become a better leader. We want to help you become a man and woman of integrity and character. And we see those things in you already. And we think if you come to our school, those things will just be further developed in you. So I don't know if I'm answering your question uh, with a really short, here's what you could do next week. Uh, but again, I, I think it's about speaking about the experience more than I would speak about the, the return on investment. And if you could do that in a personalized way, I think you'd be even better served in that regard. The important thing, Chris, is that you gave me the best answer. So thank you. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. <laughs> for those who would like to, to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out and get your attention? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'd be happy for anyone to get in touch with me. The best way is through email. And uh, my email address is ccleveland, uh, C-L-E-V-E-L-A-N-D, at wesleyanschool.org. And uh, be happy to, to answer any questions um, or kick around any ideas if anyone wants to do that. Again, thank you very much for being a guest. Really enjoyed our conversation with you, Chris. Well, Troy and Bart, thanks so much for having me on and uh, appreciate your questions and appreciate the work that you guys are doing in this area. I think it's really important and um, I'm happy to just be a little small part of the conversation. Thank you. Bart, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, this has been a great episode. And Chris, thank you again. I just really feel like a lot of what Chris talked about with, um, you know, I think it kind of goes all across the board. I really appreciate the fact that Chris, you know, talked about some of the successes that he sees like a Georgia Tech doing and how how they're doing that and how they could improve what they're doing and, and how smaller schools might be able to learn from that and do and implement those things. But I, the thing that stands out to me is this idea of personalization, whether that is in, you know, printed or automated email or all kinds of ways to do personalization. That's, that's you know, it's not as necessarily uh, as uh, laborious maybe as you, you might have heard, oh, I've got to write thank you cards to everybody and that's 50,000 thank you cards. I can't do that. No, it's a part of that. It's the idea that somebody gets something and they feel like, oh, wow, they actually paid attention to me. They know my name or they actually heard me when I said this. There's a lot of ways to automate those types of things and, and there's uh, there's tools to do that. So I really like the idea of personalization and I, I do like the fact that Chris is kind of reflecting back what his experience is where he's at. I mean, he's in the middle of your prospective student audience if you are a traditional undergrad. And so I really like the fact that Chris is talking about that. And I also like the fact that the personalization and, and even just some of the details, you know, learning the counselor's names when you come to the to visit. And some of you might be on listening and saying, well, I'm in the marketing department. I'm not, I'm not the admissions team, so I don't need to listen to that. Well, you are in charge of the brand. And the brand can be processed out and developed into a process. There's a reason why if I go to a Chick-fil-A in Indianapolis, Indiana, or if I go to one in Atlanta, Georgia, they always say, my pleasure instead of you're welcome. 
That is part of the brand and part of the training that goes into it. And, and so don't try to tell me that I'm not in charge of the admissions rep and what they do when they go to a school. Actually, if you're in charge of the brand, you're in charge of that. And so you need to insert yourself into that. Use the Chick-fil-A example as, as, a, as a, a way to do that. But I think it all comes down to the brand and how you're reflecting and how everyone who's a part of your organization is reflecting that brand. And you can help train that and, and, and guide that. So Chris, thanks again so much. This has been a great conversation conversation and we're really appreciative. Thank you. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution printing and mailing provider of Higher Ed Solutions. On behalf of my co-host Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.